are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Rays podcast and Ulysses. Today, we have the pleasure of being joined by Lindsey Crosby, host of the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Lindsey, thank you for joining us. First time that you're making an appearance on the show, and uh, we we believe it'll be memorable based on uh, talking to you for a couple minutes here. Longtime listener, first time caller. Uh, the Rays are, <laughs> are one of my favorite uh, teams outside of my own. I'm a Braves fan by trade, and so um, big place in my heart for the Rays and enjoy watching their minor league affiliate in Montgomery as well as what the big league team does and always have a couple Rays on my fantasy team. Oh, of course, of course. Well, I, I want to get started before we dive into the 2022 draft. I want to get to know you a little bit and, and let our listeners and, uh, and our subscribers on YouTube who are awesome and trying to get us there, um, the subscriber count up. I want them to get to know how somebody loves baseball so much that they get into prospects this deep and heavy, knowing that the vast majority of these guys nobody will know whatever happened to their career. So what drives you to really go deep into prospects, uh, knowing full well that it's just a handful that are going to have really long, stable major league careers? Yeah. So there's a couple of things I think that, that really were attractive about focusing in on, on prospects. And one is just meeting these players, you know, and y'all have had lots of guys on Curtis Mead. It was a great interview and, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. But part of it is just getting to know them before they're superstars and just seeing how dedicated they are to the game. I grew up around the game of baseball. I've, I've, I've always played, I've always watched, I've always been interested in it. And then getting to know a lot of players, whether it was, at the high school level, at the college level, I live in a college town, in an SEC college town in Auburn. And so I see a lot of these guys come through and just seeing the passion that they have and, and getting to know them as people has been the, a, a big reason for it. But then I also just like the positivity, right? The most likely outcome for any prospect that we talk about is that they're not going to work out. Like that, that, that is more likely than not, any specific prospect you look at is not going to take a single um, at-bat in the big leagues. But I can put that aside and say, like, we know that. We're aware that these guys might not work out. But if they do, here are the most likely scenarios. And so it lets me kind of keep some positivity. You know, it's, it's I can say, yeah, they're, most, they're probably likely to bust, but we're going to ignore that. And we're going to say, if they work out, Here's the low end. Here's the high end. Here's what's most likely. And so it's just a very positive way to look at baseball. These guys do it. They play minor league baseball, not for the money. It's definitely not for the money. It's because they love the game. And, and so getting to know them, getting to talk to them has kind of fostered that same kind of love for me. And besides, if you can't do, talk about it. I never thought I would, you know, have glimpses of waiting for Godot or um, any other existentialist writing and uh, talking about baseball than what you just said about prospects. But I, I completely see that side of it and I subscribe to it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Very good. Um, all right. Let's uh, get into brass tacks here. Lindsay, how much sleep, if any, have you gotten over the past couple of days uh, spanning this? <sighs> three-day MLB draft. 
the uh, the draft is the time of this is the week where I I've barely slept. I finally just took the smartwatch off. I'm like, don't even tell me how little sleep <laughs> I got. I'm averaging right now somewhere between four and a half and five hours a night. I'm doing about two or three podcasts every night. I wake up about five thirty in the morning to get the kids ready for school and all of that. So uh, I will sleep on the weekend and I'll sleep when the season's over. But from two weeks before the draft to the trade deadline, this is my Super Bowl. This is my stretch run. This is where everybody wants to talk about the thing that I do uh, every single day. And so anytime I can give the people what they want and I can educate some folks about, hey, this guy you just got, he's really good. I know you're sad about losing this player, but let me tell you how cool this guy is. Anytime I can do that, it's always a great day just to educate folks and and tell some of these stories behind some of these players who haven't quite made it yet and and are doing this because they love the game, not for the money. Very good. And uh, have you, again, just kind of forward-looking a little bit, are you already prospecting the 2023 draft prospects? I, I did watch a little bit of film at lunch today of a <laughs> tournament that started It started on, on Tuesday. Um, I, I did watch a little bit of film over lunch of some of the, the 23 top guys, looked at the top 10, top 15 or so. Um, I, 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 I like to try to get a l- past the trade deadline first before I really jump into that, but I, I couldn't help it. I was kind of in that mood. And so checked out a little bit about who our top 10 might be next year. Um, it's, it's the guess. The good thing about prospects is there's always another prospect. There's mm-hmm. always more guys to talk about more guys to learn about. I actually watched another Dominican league game today as well. Just something where I was like, all right, well, these are the guys that'll be coming up the, for spring training and for rookie ball next year. So let's just kind of get some info about some of these lower level guys who are, who are playing really well is that's, that's the thing about prospects. There's always more to watch, always more to learn. For someone who's not as deep into prospects as you are, I, I when I look at this 2022 draft done by the Rays, I am surprised but not let down. And and by that I mean the Rays have always missed a power hitter in the lineup. The Rays have been since 08 pitching and defense, pitching and defense. There have been you know the Longorias, the Peñas, the Francos, the Laos, but that truly power threat of like my goodness, we have to go around this guy has never really been uh, a reality for for the Rays. And so I am happy that they swung for the fences here, literally with Xavier Isaac uh, as their first uh, pick in this year's draft. But it seems like he wasn't on anybody's radar whatsoever, and he wasn't in your radar either for this type of high pick. Is that correct? Yeah, I had him outside the top 100. I didn't necessarily have him in the first round. And I think that's something – it's kind of like what you talk about. Uh, They've never really had that 80-grade, just absolute masher who you have to be terrified of. tried last year with the Nelson Cruz trade and it wasn't necessarily as productive as you wanted. Uh, but Xavier Isaac's a guy, I think that getting him now is the right time. And I think kind of from some of the stuff that I've heard, it was something where if you didn't take him early and he'll, he get that slot, you may not have gotten him. He would have went ahead and gone to Florida. So it was something where you had to pull the trigger early, but I think it was the right time to do it. Uh, simply because you want to catch him before he's developed any more bad habits. He's 6'4", 240. So he's a, he's a healthy size already. Um, let's go ahead and catch him before he gets to college, get him in the professional nutrition and, and development program, 
uh, and then kind of work on some of the some of the, the the swing and miss that we don't like before he establishes himself as a top 10, top 15 pick. There were whispers that uh, getting him on campus at Florida, letting them do some of the work they've done. You saw Judd Babian. They, I mean, uh, they had two outfielders on day one. Uh, getting him on campus, letting him hit there uh, would raise his profile a bit. I think you pro- were there other options? There were other options. You could have gotten similar production maybe a little bit later with a guy like an Ivan Melendez. Sonny DeShare at Auburn's a guy I've met personally. I've, I've scouted him multiple times. I think he would have kind of done some of that similar work. But Xavier Isaac fits the window a little better. He extends the competitive window because he's only 18. It's going to take him you know, four years to get to the bigs under most situations. And so it gives you time to, to extend the, the competitive window, let some of the prospect glut that you have right now, let you guys figure out what's going to happen. Because you've got more prospects than you have places on the field right now, which is a good <laughs> thing to have. But it also means that the upper levels are kind of condensed a bit. And so you don't mind bringing in somebody who's going to have to start off in, in A ball versus high A or double A because you have available roster spots lower in the minors. Do Kevin, you have a, a particular comp for Xavier Isaac, whether it's a ooh. present player or retired player, a guy that he maybe somewhat reminds you of? Mm. So – I try not to do too many comps. I don't want to give people the wrong idea. What I right. like to do is I like to compare tools. So, so rather than saying this player is that player, I'll say this player's raw power reminds me of this player's raw power. Uh, his swing, his, his just the amount of raw power he has, it reminds me of watching a young Albert Pujols. And that is very lofty praise. I saw your eyes go up. That's very <laughs> lofty praise. And, and that's why I'm kind of hesitant sometimes to do that. But he can put a ball out from foul pole to foul pole. He can hit humongous foul, uh, uh, humongous home runs. And I think maybe a better, a more realistic comp than Albert Pujols type of raw power. And it kind of would work with that going to Florida and being first base would be Pete Alonzo. Kind of a similar profile as, as a little bit oversized guy coming out of high school he went to Florida and refined it in the SEC and came out and has been crushing it for the Mets. Xavier Isaac has a chance to do that maybe a little bit earlier because you're getting him at the age of 18. Welcome to the world of sports cards reimagined. The sports card investor app is the hobby's most powerful resource. You can quickly check the value of your favorite sports cards, find great deals, and profit from the hobby you love. Available completely free in the Google Play and Apple App Stores, the Sports Card Investor app is a must-have for all baseball fans. I was going to think uh, you were going to – raw power. I thought you were going to say uh, Prince Fielder, and it was already going to be a really cool you know, comp, and, you, and then you throw I the pool holes in there. <laughs> I thought about Prince Fielder, and I, I wasn't sure how far to go. I was I thought it was a little better than an eight, than a young Prince Fielder, but maybe a little bit under Pujols. I decided to overshoot rather than undershoot. But yeah. no, Prince Fielder is another great. really good comp as well. Yeah. Uh, when you but when, but you did say pull uh, pull to pull. So does this mean this guy is not only a pull hitter, raw power? I'm gonna just launch home runs. He's actually a hitter that's just hitting the ball so hard that most of the time it's just going to go out out of the ballpark. Yeah, he has some swing and miss in his game, 
Uh, and, you know, and that's kind of the reason we expected him to make it on campus at Florida. Whenever you see a prep and they have a very, very loud carrying tool, which in this case, obviously the power is the carrying tool, but there's some questions about the the related tool, in his case, the, 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 the hit tool. Um, we expected him to make it to campus. But yeah, yeah, he 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 hits it all over the park. When he gets a hold of it, it very much is gone. He's not necessarily a three true outcomes kind of guy. It's not strikeout, home run, or walk. Uh, but he does put the ball in play quite a bit. It's just something where he hasn't necessarily done it against the competition. You need to see him do it against to know for a fact he was going to be a first-round pick. He, uh, he had a, a foot injury in 2021, so he missed the whole showcase circuit last year. He missed the summer showcases where you get to see him against other top you know, draft-eligible preps to know that he could do it against quality competition. You saw him do it against lesser, um, but you saw enough struggle against the lesser where we didn't necessarily know. That's why we thought he'd make it on campus. It probably worked out well. For all we know, he would have been fine against the quality competition. We just didn't see a lot of it. So it's kind of like the Brandon Lau situation, Kevin. Remember? Before the draft, Brandon Lau, I think he fractured his tibia, wasn't it? Right. And then yeah. he, he still ends up being drafted by the Rays. The Rays don't care of that. Xavier missed a whole year. They still drafted him. They still like the, the, the raw power. Yeah, and, and something that the Rays have been really good about, and I've, I've – I've always admired what they do in the draft is the Rays know the physical traits they're looking for. They know the the performance metrics they're looking for as far as exit velocity, as far as you know how much they expand the zone. They collect a lot of data and they're able to use that, put it into their models and project out what players are going to be. And the model obviously told them Xavier Isaac is somebody you need to go ahead and get now versus targeting him in three years as he's a draft-eligible junior at Florida. So I can say if they were willing to go out in the first round and get him when we had him around 100, 110 or so on the board, I'm probably going to defer to them, and they were probably correct and we were probably wrong just simply because the Rays have done this now so many times. They've shown they can build a quality farm system. I think last year uh, the Rays farm system was, I want to say, had the best winning percentage in all of baseball, mm-hmm. like, yeah, was like 697. I think everybody but the Biscuits won their championships and the Biscuits played for it. So yeah. Tampa Bay has shown they can go out, identify um, quality pitchers, they can identify good defenders, and they can identify the traits you need to be successful offensively. Yeah, with Xavier Isaac continuing on him for a second, you mentioned some swing and miss to his game. Is there anything else about him or his profile that uh, – you think could hold him back as he uh, tries to to venture into a, a long tenured pro career. Yeah, so I mean, the physical build's a little concerning. Six four two forty. It's it's a little bit bigger than we typically see from a first baseman. And when you watch him on defense, you can see that he's a good he's a decent defender for a prep, but he's not an outstanding defender at first. And so that makes you wonder as he moves up in the system. Is he going to be kind of relegated to a DH only role? Mm-hmm. And I think about maybe a better comp would have been something like a David Ortiz, where you actually had to have the question of when we go to a National League park, do we bother giving him a glove or not? Uh, small concern I have, not as much. Partly, I haven't seen a ton of film of his defense. Nobody's going to watch him for his defense. Right. Uh, but then also just, just, the way that the Rays construct the roster, there's always so many fantastic defenders where. All things being equal, 
I feel like you're going to find somebody else to play first, and he may be at DH. So that's a little concerning. Uh, and it is a little bit out of the historic profile for the Rays to take a guy that has defensive questions because so many of these players have fantastic defense because that's been the the like the, the the North Star for this organization has been defense and pitching and defense and pitching. So little concerned about the body and what that does with the speed and then the defense. He definitely is going to have to be carried by the by the power and the hit tool is going to have to be good enough to let him make use of that power. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk built bar. But guess what? Your friends built bar given coconut brownie chunk the puffs treatment. That's right. The coconut brownie chunk built bar flavor that you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. Yeah, you know it. It's fluffy and it's 100% real chocolate goodness. So today, go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you will get 15% off your order. Again, go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off your order on these built bars that are low in calorie, low sugar, high in protein, and they're all delicious. Again, go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off at built.com. And Ulysses, I mean, we've we've experienced this already with the Rays. They they do have that profile of, hey, let's get up the middle athletes, defensive stalwart types. And we see this season, home runs and power has been an issue. Obviously, Xavier Isaac, it'll be years before um, we maybe see him in a raised uniform, but that's sort of, okay, we, we've stockpiled enough of these middle infield switch hit types that we have to kind of maybe reach a little bit for some power, some pop. Yeah. And it's going to take a while. And from what Lindsay's telling us and from what we've seen from high school picks, that math adds up to him, maybe playing in, at the trop. If he doesn't get traded, if he's not injured in the last year of the lease in 2027, so or 2026 like it's it's going to take a while so race fans need to you know be a little bit more you know patient like we always have to be with prospects especially those coming out of high school but i i look at this you know holistically with this draft with the race and they did go a little bit in the surprising uh way by by getting xavier isaac but you also look at the rest of the draft and seven of uh of, out of the first seven picks six were not pitchers um, which again, if we, like you, you just pointedly said the North star has been pitching in defense. Uh, where's the pitching? It, it was only one pick out of the first seven. Can you tell us if they went with the best available and that's why though the players that were picked were not pitchers or is it because like Kevin said, maybe we've stockpiled enough middle infield athletic types that look all of these guys, Brock Jones, Chandler Simpson, Ryan Cermak, um, Dominic Keegan, they just have things like hitting tools uh, that you cannot pass up if, if you're the race. So talking to some of the player development folks, I've, I've noticed that the organization tends to lean towards this philosophy. And this has been kind of a newer thing, but lean to the philosophy of pitchers can be made, but hitters are born. And so they're going out and they're finding, they're identifying the guys in the draft that have the defensive traits that they want for the most part, Xavier Isaac excluded, but a Dominic Keegan, a Jalen Battles, uh, a Chandler Simpson have some of the defensive traits they want and 
feel confident about their game. Chandler Simpson has no power to speak of. Um, but a lot of these guys, Dominic Keegan played fantastic in the SEC team captain. Jalen Battles, uh, fantastic shortstop for Arkansas team captain. Another thing that they kind of prioritize. So what the Rays are doing is kind of leaning into the strength, which is we can take a pitcher who has some tools but is raw and has flaws, and we can make him better. But we need to identify the catchers that have the traits that we need to be successful because it's harder to make a hitter than it is to make a pitcher. And so I feel like that's kind of what this draft reflected is early. Here are the position players we identified we need to make sure that we go out and get because we know the profiles that we're looking for. We can find toolsy pitchers later. We can have a bigger bucket of pitchers and pull guys out of that. We can pull you know, a prep like, like Levi Husband out of Hanover High School in Virginia and take his tools and develop him. We can even take a, you know, a Sean Harney from Kentucky and we can, you know, develop him out of the eighth round. But some of these hitters, we need to jump on these guys early, make sure that we get them because it's harder to build a hitter out of tools than it is to build a pitcher out of tools. Kevin, do you think that this is a little bit also cockiness by the Rays? Like, we know we we know how to build pitchers. We got this. It's, we don't care if we, all of our pitchers are after the third round, fourth round, fifth round, whatever. We know how to do that. Yeah. We just need bats. We can turn Jason Adam into a borderline all-star, basically. Exactly. We took a player to be named later, and it's Shane Boz. Like, yeah. we can <laughs> yeah. do this. All we did was get him and completely changed his entire pitch mix, and it exactly. worked. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit of I, I'm not necessarily going to say it's a little bit of cockiness, but there's a, like there's definitely confidence in the player development staff. Like that they know what they're doing, they understand uh, the kinetics of baseball and how it works, and then they have the teachers where they can teach some of these guys. Here's how to maximize the tools you have. Here's how to change what you do to be more effective with your body traits. You know, you have really good extension. Let's talk to you about switching that slider to a curveball because you can release it closer to the plate and you can get it deeper on a batter, you know, things like that. So I think there is a little bit of confidence in the player development. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely a, yeah, we know we can make a pitcher. We yeah. brought Shane Boz up for the stretch run last year. You know, we can do this. And, and running through this draft with the Rays, is there, you mentioned several names, but did you have a favorite pick of theirs, whether it was in the fifth round, the 10th round, the 15th round where you're like, man, the Rays, I, that was a that was a solid choice there. So as somebody, like I mentioned earlier, I live in a college town. I live in Auburn. I actually uh, also cover Auburn baseball for Sports Illustrated. Uh, I was very happy that you guys drafted Jalen Battles out of Arkansas. One, just to get him out of the SEC. Because <laughs> he has terrorized this conference for three or four years now. Uh, but no, I was I was very excited to see that. he his, The power's not great from Jalen Battles, but defensively, fantastic defender who just hoovers up anything on the left-hand side. And then um, as long as you can work on some of his plate discipline, he, he tends to, to chase a slider and a change up, especially if they're something, if they're moving away from him. Uh, but if you can clean some of that up, you've got a, a really good middle infielder for very cheap. He's a senior side. He's, he's going to go for significantly under slot. Uh, very good pick there. I like the Dominic Keegan pick, even though he's not a great defender behind the plate because of how much his team respects him, how much of a team leader he is, and how versatile he is. You can play him at first base. Uh, there's a little bit of you can play him maybe at third base or a corner outfield. 
Um, but just being a reliable veteran presence um, on that Vanderbilt team. I mean, Vanderbilt's a hard team to come in and, and, and be the leader of, and Dominic Keegan did that. So two picks I really liked, fourth and fifth. Uh, and then Cameron James, the third baseman out of Mississippi State, 16th rounder. Really, really kind of liked that. Uh, 12 home runs, 20 stolen bases in 2021. Uh, kind of repeated that again in 2022. Flash uh, had double-digit home runs and stolen bases. Hit 303 in the SEC. Not an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, played third base. He also played some left field and some center field. So a lot of versatility there. Uh you know, struggled a little bit in the Cape in 21s. I think that's why he fell so much. But he's got decent power, um, has some good some some good speed, some good defensive versatility. You just need to teach him to, to deal with extreme velocity. Struggles with velo over 94, 95. But that's something that you can kind of work on with time. That's something where he just didn't always get to see that on a reliable basis. Um, so late, late round guy, odds are, like we talked about earlier, odds are he's probably not going to work out. He's a 16th rounder, but if you can make a couple tweaks to what he does, help him catch up to some velo, I think that he might be a sneaky, um, you know, pull power kind of utility guy who can play infield and outfield for you.